Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. All right, everybody, welcome back to The First Team. I am Joe DeLeon. Joining me, as always, good friend, NFL Draft Analyst, Ryan Roberts, at Rising Draft on Twitter. You can find me at Joe DeLeon. Today, we're going to be doing our first NFL Draft mailbag. We're going to try and do these every single Friday. There might be an occasional one here or there that we don't get to, but the idea is we get lots of questions from people on Twitter typically throughout the weeks. We're going to be answering some of those questions on today's stream and going forward as the NFL draft process progresses. We'll also have various topics that we're going to get to each week. And today, we're going to kick off what's going to be a fun segment where we've watched a lot of players already. I've gotten to, I think the number I'm at right now is, is 70 guys that I've given official grades to. And we're going to That's talk it? about the guys. That Only, we, 70? Only 70? Only 70? I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay, I don't have as much time as you do, buddy. Okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're a father of three. How could you possibly do that? Yeah. Oh, exactly. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Kids aren't that time consuming. Uh, but today what we're going to be doing, we're each going to share two players that are our favorites in the first round of the 2024 uh, NFL draft. And this specifically is guys that we gave first round grades to, not necessarily consensus first rounders. Before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. NFL playoffs are currently active there are so many amazing games still left to be played the nba is also in full swing college basketball is currently hot right now and bet online has you covered with all of the up-to-date seconds god this is so poorly written has you covered with all of the second odds news and scores jesus christ with the digital odds on strength Joe, and info remember when I desktop and yeah, I realized that. This is one of the worst yeah. written reads I've ever seen. Uh, with <laughs> additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today, get into the action, and see all of their updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So, Ryan, I'm going to start us off while we kind of wait for a few more people to potentially hop in here anyone who is watching wants to drop a question feel free to we will also answer any live questions that are sent in as i said i want to talk about guys that are favorites that we have graded as first rounders ryan i'll start you off first with your first guy who is it so i actually went between a few guys before we started here i'm actually doing a little bit of a pivot for you joe because i want to talk about two guys that i mostly and maybe a little bit higher on the consensus, I guess, is a way to put phrase it. And I, I think that that's a great starting point is to talk about some guys that because I think this is a unique to the process. You're going to see a lot of variations of points on a couple of these players. And my first one is Keon Coleman, who's the wide receiver out of Florida State. That's I remember when we talked about him in the summer. It was before he was mainstream, right? Because he was at Michigan State for his first two years. He had just entered the transfer portal, just transferred to Florida State. We had literally never seen him in a, a Florida State uniform at that point. He was It was just Michigan State film. And I felt like we were way ahead of the curve on Keon Coleman. 
And then during the season, especially the first few games, remember like LSU game, especially his first game, it, it, literally with the Seminoles, everyone started to jump on the bandwagon. They're like, oh man, 6'4", 215, probably going to run 4'4 high, incredibly physical, great catch radius, former basketball player, incredible hand strength, like just impressive physical profile. And then he gets banged up and injured down the stretch, and he doesn't have his best end to his season. And now we're searching here, and people are just questioning everything about Keon Coleman's evaluation. Can he create separation? Can he be consistent? Can he do this? Can he do that? I'm just like, guys, we are overthinking this. He's a 20-year-old player still who is 6'4", 215, and a freaky athlete. Yes, he isn't fully there yet. Who is at the age of 20 years old? I mean, what were you doing when you were 20 years old, Joe? I, I don't know if you were in the, the best best situation yeah. of your life and ready to play NFL football. Like he I mean, physically, a, I think it was probably in my best shape, but that's a that's a, that's a different <laughs> you're not supposed to say that because that just completely ruined my Regardless, though, Keon Coleman at 21, at 22, 23 is going to be better equipped to play football on the NFL level than he is at 20. You are betting a lot of times early on in this process on raw traits. And the great thing about his traits is that he has the upside, I believe, to be a multi-level threat. Yes, he can win vertically because he's long and he's pretty explosive, but he can also win after the catch. We've seen that at Florida State. He can run routes in, in spurts. It's not consistent because I just think he kind of just wants to bully people a little bit too much in the passing game. But he has pretty loose hips. I think that he can be developed into a three-level threat. A lot of people are overthinking Keon Coleman. He's still my wide receiver, too, in this class behind Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. Yeah, I have not really understood this, as you've described it, the overthinking that's happening um, with Keon Coleman. Because you see a really gifted, just physical freakish athlete the way that he is able to move for his size and he's really well put together like a really well built kid who is going to be able to box guys out he's got the the strength the the hands the body control to be a, a box out threat and the thing that i don't think a lot of people are understanding or really realizing with him is that they're it's a rarity to find guys like this that this is a throwback style receiver that still is useful in the modern nfl it is something that we just don't see often. Right now, there is this overemphasis on these smaller, speedier guys, and those guys don't always necessarily work out. That Yes, there are a lot of teams that are trying to build their rosters around that, like the Miami Dolphins is a perfect example. That It seems like every single receiver that they draft, small, compact, really quick, really fast, but we just don't get these opportunities to find guys like Keon Coleman often because right. they can they can do such a rare skill set. And I compare it to with Drake London, where I think not a lot of people really understood what Drake London was and what he brings to the game. And he's been good so far. He just doesn't have a damn quarterback to throw him the football. <laughs> I yeah. really think that Keon Coleman is going to be a really good NFL receiver because of all the things that you talked about here, the things he's going to be able to do. The other piece of this that, that really bothers me with Keon Coleman, and I was texting you about this, I have seen guys ranked ahead of him by some people. Some of those that were uh, that have been ahead of him were like, okay, the best example is mm -hmm. Troy Franklin. Like I've seen Troy yeah. Franklin ranked in the first round and mocked in the first round, and Keon Coleman's nowhere named to be found. Troy Franklin is same height, same length, but nowhere near as good a hands. pounds, maybe. Right. <laughs> nowhere near as strong. I just don't understand yeah. why you're going to value a guy like that who physically is not really 
that much more explosive or that much f- as fast as him, but yeah. we're going to uh, bail on a guy like Keon Coleman because the way that he creates separation is something that is not totally recognizable. What is what was the wide receiver that came out of Baylor that was drafted in the second round by the New England Patriots? What, what was the guy's name? I, his name's escaping me. I, he was in his second year this year. You remember? You know oh, uh, Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan Thornton. So again, I, I'm not. I I think that Troy Franklin is a better version of of Tyquan Thornton. But Tyquan Thornton, they have similar body types, similar skill sets. They are vertically oriented players who are a little bit you know thin framed and don't have the best play strength of all time. And those kids, there's some hits, right? Like some of those guys can work out, but more often than not, man, like those guys that lack play strength and the ability to not only stack, but to be able to play through contact, they struggle at the next level. They do. You know what doesn't struggle at the next level? 6'4", 215 with the physicality he has. And I think that some people are missing it with Keon because I've, I've seen and kill Harry comps to him, Joe. And I'm just like, guys. You did not watch Keon Coleman if athletically you think that he yeah. is comparable to Ankeel Harry. Ankeel Harry ran a 4.59. Isn't it Ankeel Harry? Isn't it Ankeel Harry? Ankeel Harry, yeah. Is, okay, what? whatever. The, the pronunciation. Harry, though, was not a, nearly as explosive, though. He was pretty he ran. He ran at his combine a 4.59, I believe, and that was a good day for Ankeel Harry. Like That was a good, good day for him. He just wasn't that type of athlete, man. He was an after-catch physical dude who couldn't do anything before the catch or after the catch. Like he just or to the catch. Mm-hmm. Keon Coleman has every skill set that I look at and say he can be able to do those things on the next level. It's translatable. He has traits that I look at and say, I can improve that, I can get better on that, and that's translatable. So I'm in on Keon Coleman, man. I am. I would take him in the top 10. I know people probably are shaking their head and because I keep seeing him in the late first round now or not in the first round at all. I I'm betting on traits with Keon, man. I think he's still got the goods. I think he's got it. Yeah. I'd, I'd still, I'd still take him in the top 10. Uh, I don't know if the NFL is going to value him like that. And I'm kind of curious to see as this, this process goes on where, where he ends up projecting and sliding. So somebody's going to fall in love with him. Hopefully the, my first guy though, I want to share yep. uh, that I am a really big fan of, and this one's not really surprising. I, I really love JC No, no, <laughs> stop it. Uh, I was going to bring up Talise Fuaga, the Oregon yeah. State offensive tackle, the right tackle this past year. He was one of the first guys that I watched and evaluated, and I think that he was easily one of the most slam-dunk evaluations that I've had with any of these prospects. He is incredibly physical. He is very, very strong. Um, and then the, the thing that really excited me about him is the way that he has progressed as an athlete, it felt like he was a lot more fluid and a lot more mobile. You kind of assume sometimes with these big right tackle prospects that are physical, that they're just going to be really stiff and, you know, head down, run you (laughs) over, but he can move. He can get to the second level. He can pick up guys and and take the right angles and make the right reads and pick up linebackers and defensive backs really well. And he'll kill you. He will take your ass out. I think that Talise Fuaga is kind of a guy that we thought what Darnell Wright would have been uh, last year. Darnell Wright was a great prospect, and I really like Darnell Wright, but Fuaga's better than him. I know that you did. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fuaga, for me, is better than him, and he's a player who – another one who – I don't think this one's as intentional. I don't think anyone's like, oh, he can't go in the top 10. I think that when people do mock drafts, he just ends up sliding for whatever reason. But I don't yep. see a world where a player like this – 
ends up outside of maybe even the top seven because Ooh. he's so just he's just a, such a rare athlete. I think that he's going to be phenomenal in the NFL. I think that we get preconceived notions about players based upon mm-hmm. their their look, right? Their physical profile. Because you look at Talise Fuaga, because I remember when he was a uh, in 2022, he was a little heavier. I think he was listed at like yeah. 6'6, 330, 335 pounds. He definitely kind of lost a little bit of mass off of him, which I think was really good for him. But I remember watching him, you know, big Samoan kid, right? This just massive dude. You're like, that dude is just going to be a power oriented offensive tackle who just needs to run gap scheme. Like that's all he can do. And one of the first plays I saw Fuaga as a junior in 2022 was him working outside zone and just absolutely ripping the upfield shoulder and be able to carry him to the second level, the defensive end that he's working against. I'm like, that's different, man. That's unique. I had a similar thought to different position, but John Michael Schmitz that came out of Minnesota last year, he was another guy where you looked at, at, at Schmitz and you were like, that guy's just going to be a brooding force on the interior. But then Minnesota runs some outside zone where you're like, oh, oh, he's a, he's a better mover than I anticipated him being. So, yeah, I think that he has that uniqueness to him. I've seen there's a there's a thought out there, which I disagree with. Some people are, are, are projecting Fuag inside an offensive guard. And oh, Christ. While, while I understand, like, I, I, he can, can, can at least Fuag play offensive guard? Yes, absolutely. No doubt. He's big, physical, brooding, strong, like, can work doubles up to the second level, combo blocks. Like he he can do it. But why am I sacrificing 6'6", long arms, athleticism, who's in who's very good hand technique and pass pro, and putting him inside a guard? And uh, just a year before, I'm talking about Darnell Wright as an offensive tackle in the in the top 10. But now I'm talking about Tulis Vlog having to move yeah. the guard. Like, what are we yeah, doing that there, man? What are we doing? Yeah, it doesn't man. it doesn't jive. Like that thought process does not jive at all. So, I mean, we're both in on Fuaga. He's my OT3. He honestly almost graded higher than Olufushanu. Almost. I mean, he's he's a really uh, good mean, player, man. I mean, he graded higher than Olufushanu for me. He's OT2 he? for me. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, Love it, man. Well, well, because if we compare the two players and we watch the two players, Fushanu, what didn't really take the next step as a run blocker. I, like, I didn't get what... I wanted to see from him being more consistent as a run blocker. His angles are sloppy. His hand placement sloppy. His technique is all over the place. Do I see a very flexible and fluid athlete that can be a really good pass protector? Absolutely. Is he a left tackle? Great core to a strength. Right tackle? Great yeah, core good strength. Yeah. He, yep. he has the physical boxes being checked, but I, I can't. I can't pass up on Fuaga who has actually tangibly brought it to film and put it on film and been more consistent. So I, I have, yeah, I have him graded and ranked a lot higher than Olufashano. It's interesting, man. It's very interesting. So I love draft season, man. Cause I, yeah. cause this is where it is for me, Joe. And I know this hierarchy is going to be a, a little controversial, but I have Joe Alt at OT one. And then I have a nice little tear break. And then for me, it's two, three, and that is Fashanu. And that is, that is Fuaga. Like that's a tier for me. OT2, OT3, that's a conversation piece, right? So there's not a ton of separation there. For me, the separation is OT1 separated to the second group. For me, personally. Uh, we have a quick comment here from Sam. Yes. Think about Fuaga at guard year one and then kicking the tackle for the future like Miami did with Laramie Tunsil. Uh, when they had Brandon Albert and Juwan James 2016 uh, would be fun for a team that has an already loaded offensive line. My only, here's my only pushback with that is that you only would do that 
if you're forced to, right? I, I, you're only going to do well, if, that if, if, if you, you have, have the luxury of doing it, right? If you have the luxury of doing right. it, right? I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that I would want to to place Fuaga at guard unless I have to. Uh, your second favorite player in the as a projected first rounder. Yeah, another guy that has a little bit of a wide chasm of opinions on him. Kalen King, cornerback out of Penn State, who coming into the year, I was super high on, right? I thought that he had a tremendous 2022 season. I mean, it was game after game of just putting on stellar film. He reminds me a lot of Jair Alexander, like a whole lot. Just his physical profile, because he's not the biggest guy in the world. Listed 5'11", 190. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be 5'10", and 5'8", like somewhere in that ballpark most likely. But he has kind of that outside inside versatility where I could see him being a guy that could be a little bit of a matchup dude. You know, he could work outside against certain body types, could work inside on a full time basis if you need him to, or against obviously that certain body types as well. And he plays just incredibly hard, man. Really instinctual football player, physicality at, at the you know at the at the point of contact and the stem. Like he is a really just physically imposing player, despite not having the best size, kind of like Jair is. And just great, great short area explosiveness, man. Like he can change direction really well. He can turn and run. I think his speed is going to be good for NFL standards for an outside corner. And I think that we're just, again, I think that the reason that people are becoming lower on Kalen King is partly because of what I said for one is that size, like there's going to be some limitations at times against the bigger body wide receivers, right? Like there's going to be some times where he's just going to get out leveraged for football, outplaying the football in the air. But honestly, Joe, I think the number one reason that people are overthinking Kalen King a little bit, in my opinion, is the Ohio State game this year, which I don't even think was as bad as people acted like it was. Yes, did he get outplayed several times by Marvin Harrison Jr.? Sure. But is it Marvin Harrison Jr., the guy that we're, that some people are, are clamoring to be the number one overall pick in this draft and keep Justin Fields? Aren't people yeah. doing that right now? Like, Marvin Harrison yeah, Jr. is a really good wide receiver. He's a really good player. I mean, yeah. he's... I don't think it's unjustified to look at that game and, and feel like a little bit like, it's, is there it's, some concern it's a here? Part, yes, it's a part of the evaluation, but we're talking about a player that has been in a Power 5 Big Ten conference for two years that outside of that one game was stellar. At what point okay. does one outplay the full resume? It just shouldn't do that for me. It just shouldn't do it. Here's my thing with Kalen King. Yes. And I, I don't think I fall in the bucket of pushing him really far down but it, he is is he, first, is he still a first round player to you or no? i have i have a i gave him a first round grade as okay. as of right now he currently lines up as my fifth corner which i think is still low compared to you here is my only issue with him it is a length question and we you and i did the same thing with clark phillips last year where you really liked him you saw his potential and i don't think that it was arguable that the potential wasn't there for him to be good in a specific role which shows up with Kaelin King for me where I can't be gung-ho all in like I was in the offseason is that I started to notice that the lack of length was showing up in important situations where he needed that length there were a number of times and it wasn't even against Ohio State I watched the Maryland game because I wanted to see how would he do against like mid-level talent they've got some decently explosive receivers None of them are productive because Maryland sucks, but they had some decent athletes at receiver that he had to cover. And he does everything right that we know that he can do. Fluid hips, matches, tracks guys really easily, sticks with them step yep. for step. 
but he gets beat trying to put his arm up and because he doesn't have the you know the requisite length necessary to be a successful corner a couple of times in that game guys were making catches over him because they just had right so i see a guy who can play outside corner maybe bumps in inside which is a very valuable important role in the nfl now it's not like um, it, it, it's not like saying bumping a tackle in a guard. A lot of teams will draft well, these slot corners, and it's very important for their for their defenses. I yep. just don't know it, or it's not so much I don't know. I would rather spend the pick on the guys that don't have the length issues than I would with the guy with the length issues. It's just such a it's such a balance to make because to your point, no, the NFL is drafting more players early that eventually do settle in to that nickel position. Like Devin Witherspoon played a lot in the nickel this year for Seattle. A whole lot. I mentioned Jair Alexander. He's Trent played a McDuffie's lot inside. Another one. Trent McDuffie. There was another one that I was thinking of that also has been playing a lot of nickel for their respective team. Oh, Denzel Ward has played a ton for the Cleveland Browns inside. He went top 10 overall in his respective draft. So I think it's becoming a little bit more consistent, right? It, I think that the the – so – to where your conversation is, though, Joe, where I will agree with you, is if all things are equal, right? If I have two corners on the board and I have similar grades on them, one guy is 5'10 and 5 eighths with 30 and a half inch arms, and the other one is six foot and with 31 plus, plus inch arms, then I'll opt for the longer guy, right? Like that's the tiebreaker for me. I just don't know if there's a ton of guys outside of Nate Wiggins for me that I would say, that's a tiebreaker, and the tiebreaker would go to X player, right? Like that's kind of where my, my thought mm. process is. But yeah, it would be a tiebreaker for me if I have similarly graded football players. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. I just come back to like I can't coach him to get taller and have longer arms, but I can coach up and improve maybe some of the defi- Kool Aid McKinstry doesn't really have a lot of deficiencies, yeah. but like Terry and Arnold, I think there's a couple things that like he could work on yes. Cooper DeGene that they could work on. Those are the guys that I have ranked ahead of him. So that's that's I, where I'm coming. I, I from. understand it, but then I think we get into the cloudy situation where the Tyson Campbells of the world, right? Tyson Campbell, we can fix him. It looked okay the first two years, and then this year, Tyson Campbell was not good. You know why? Because he can't play the football in the air. I don't care how long his arms are. I don't. Yeah, but I, I, okay, but I'm not doing that, and I hope that uh, too many yeah. people don't don't get don't get caught in that in that bullshit. Yes. Um. My second player, before we get to our mailbag questions, again, anybody who is joining us wants to drop any in the YouTube comments, feel free to do so. Um, and we also have a couple that people that commented on Twitter, which we appreciate those that gave us those questions throughout the week. My last guy is one that you quickly mentioned, Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Uh, um, I love Nate. I, CB1, I, baby. CB1, Nate Wiggins. I, yes, I have never, I've never felt more confident about placing a guy where I did with Nate Wiggins. I mean, you just even if you just see him standing up, he is ridiculously long. He is unbelievably long. And then you watch him move. You watch him run. He's so fluid and easy moving. A lot of times when we got these corners with long legs, they struggle to transition. They struggle to move. But this is one of those instances where the length checks out and yep. he's able to track guys and play man in the NFL, and I'm not worried about that. I think that we just are seeing the beginning of Nate Wiggins's progression and his development and his improvement. We are just at the cusp of it, and he is going to end up being a really, really good pro. He is somebody who I think as I do more mock drafts, I'm supposed to have another one coming out soon. I have no idea when it's actually getting released. It's done. 
But as I do more of these mock drafts, I think that I'm eventually going to have um, him in the first round ever or in the top 10 every single time. I am not answering any single <laughs> question. Rack, rack, last night was your time. We're not doing this on the draft show. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, it's just so funny that Clickbait Joe's talking about mock drafts right now. It's hilarious. Shut but, the hell um, up. I'm just kidding with you, man. I'm just kidding. But hey, Joe, real quick about Nate Wiggins because I think it's a very easy eval. 2022, he got overshadowed because the rest of the secondary wasn't very good at Clemson. Wasn't very good. This year, they were much improved and you finally started noticing that Nate Wiggins is a freak. 6'2", 185, length, like you say, can turn around with anybody. Incredible change of direction for a guy as long as he is, too. Like, I expected, he's a little bit high cut. He's got a little bit of longer legs. Sometimes those guys struggle to change direction, to play an off man, and to be able to mirror match. He is able to do those things really well. Nate Wiggins was a guy, I think, I think I had him at like CB3 in the preseason because I just wanted to see like a full year again after that. I'm pretty sure I had... uh, I'm pretty sure I had Kool-Aid and and Kalen ahead of him. But regardless, he is my CB1 firmly at this point. Firmly. He has been a – he's just a tremendous football player, man. Just really – it's an easy eval. Coverage-wise, it's an easy eval. Do I want him to still gain a little bit of play strength, excuse me, a little bit of mass, be a little bit more impactful in the run game? Sure. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy – that can mirror and match and play man coverage against pretty much any body type you want him to play against. And that's big time. Yeah. Big, big, uh, big Nate Wiggins fan. All right, let's get some of these questions. Appreciate everybody. And, he, and he's unbelievably long, like unbelievably. Long. All right. All right. Don't give, give rack any fuel to the fire. I can't, yes. I can say his full name on hack city. I can't, I'm not going to do it on this show. I'm not going to pull up any of his comments. Rack, I am sorry. You can watch and you can comment, but I'm not going to pull anything uh, up onto the screen. No, Xander Eccles is not an NFL prospect. Again, if anyone missed yesterday's conversation, uh, I encourage you to do to It was a very interesting out. conversation that I was listening to last night. Yes, it was very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I decided to I – mean, you asked to join the stream. I am not bringing you into that conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to some of these early questions that we have. So DJ yeah. Holman on Twitter asks, oh, man, I saw a former NFL scout on this platform has a round two grade on Joe Alt because he does just enough or isn't dominant enough, making him question his ability to do the job in the pros. As ridiculous – as this seems to me, what adjustments will Joe Alt have to make in the pros? Okay, so first of all, yes, it was Daniel Kelly as as it was addressed, and I don't care. And I'm going to say this: I don't, I don't mind a diversity of opinion, and I like to hear what other people have to say. Sometimes, you know, in clo- close quarters, you might kind of scoff at somebody's analysis, but I don't mind having a conversation with somebody who spends the time to watch the film and to break things down. As long as they're willing to have that same dialogue, I'm completely fine with it. But Kelly and others that we interact with on Twitter from time to time are so matter of fact about things and are so, this is the gospel, this is the truth, I know what I'm saying, and it pisses me off so much that everything he opens with is, I was a former NFL scout, I was trained in doing this, this, and this, is why it is infuriating that he spews absolute ridiculous nonsense that makes no fucking sense. Nothing that he says is coherent analysis. He had Spencer Rattler as quarterback one. I don't even yeah. want to answer the question because the, the nothing, none of this analysis is well, valid and yeah. no one else with a brain and two eyeballs that does this for a living is going to rank 
Joe Alt where he was ranked. Well, let, let's skip over the Daniel Kelly stuff because I'll say this is he claims to be a former scout. He was actually a scouting assistant that just get, got people coffee. He didn't actually grade out players when he was. Oh, wait, how do you know that? Don't worry, man. I, I, wait, I got my wait, information. What? I got my connects here, man. Don't worry about that. <laughs> he wasn't actually a scout. He was in a scouting department, but he wasn't a area scout. He wasn't a guy that was legitimately grading players. Did he learn from the scouts? Did he ask them questions? I'm sure he did. But he wasn't a legitimately, and it wasn't a lot of legitimate NFL scout. Regardless, though, we don't listen to Daniel Kelly. I think that the question is, Joe, which we can, we, we can talk about, right? Is that no NFL prospect is perfect, right? So the second part of the question for DJ's question about what can he improve upon, I think you already saw it a little bit, DJ, from 2022 to 2023. I actually don't completely disagree with Daniel Kelly was saying as far as. Did, should, did, did you want to see Joe Alt be more assertive as a run blocker from 2022 to 2023? Yes, you did. But you started to see that. He was a lot more assertive. And he, he put had more a weight in his ass was the, was the biggest thing. Like I brought up his arms are too too thin and his ass is too light and that's going to hurt him. Yep. And you flip on the tape and you're like, oh, no, he's built now. Like he's got Different the frame player. and he's only going to get bigger. and That's where you have to pay attention to those minute details of like this guy is – physically still developing and he was able to do the things that he did that's why there is top five likely potential for a prospect like this he i believe and i need to go look at uh brian Moffey's database because i know he's going to yell at me about this but i believe joe Walt is the youngest offensive tackle that i know of that is declared for the 2024 nfl draft i think he is if not he is just Right there, right? Like he is, I know he's younger than Fashano. Fashano's super young for his age, though, despite being a senior. Like he is super young. But regardless, Joe Alt physically, you have started to see the 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 uptick as far as getting more well-rounded from a physical perspective. He has filled out more, he's become more powerful. Other than that, I mean angles can always improve to the second level for almost any player. I think Joe Alt had some of that in 2023 still, like you know, just a little bit more. A little bit better angles up to the second level to cut off guys from the backside. I would also say this, Joe. I think that Joe all plays with great hand play, but I think that his secondary hand usage as a pass blocker can be a little bit more aggressive at times. Like there are some times where he has good initial contact, he just kind of locks, but then he guys can get off of him at times because he, his hands just get a little bit complacent with just kind of getting into that lockout position where I'm just like, hey, let's reset our hands. Let's make sure that we're maintaining that leverage a little bit longer in block. So, of course, there are some things that there are some things that he can improve upon. No one is perfect. But the reason that everyone should be high on Joel and the reason I am is because not only does he have the baseline athleticism length that you absolutely love at the offensive tackle position for his age. He's incredibly nuanced for his yeah. age, man. He plays with great hands, great leverage for the most. That's the freakiest. What's the freakiest part about Joe Alt, Joe? How the heck does he play so low to the ground? Well, that and that was great the, hits. The first thing that I bring up every time with him is that he's able to. He's not a waist bender. He plays low. He stays low. He's lower than some of these other prospects that are three, four inches shorter than him. So that's what gets even crazier. Sam Teat says for Alt, maybe. Uh, a little less waist bending and pass pro. I thought that he was better this year significantly. I don't. I just think that he has. He has to at a certain point. He sinks his ass low enough, but he's gonna have to bend a little bit at his waist because he's so tall. He's six right. nine. Like that's six eight. Six eight. Six, eight. six nine. 
<laughs> uh, really quickly, Brian Brian brings up um, uh, da- Daniel Kelly has Joe Milton with the first round grade. This is the one thing that that <laughs> blows my mind the most with with him, and he's even said it. He has even acknowledged this. Last year, he was like all out on Anthony Richardson. All I saw, I kept seeing on my timeline was him just bashing Anthony Richardson, which is another thing that I yeah. don't like. I don't like it when guys like belittle and attack prospects. Uh, and do you remember him with Trey them. Lance, man? Him with Trey Lance was so like, all right, dude, Trey Lance didn't work out, right? You got, a, you got your process right, I guess, but you took every opportunity you could to just continue to bash the kid for not working out in the NFL. Yeah. It's just like, guys, relax, man. Like, absolutely relax. But, but he literally, Anthony Richardson on film shows natural feel for the game. And that was why we talked about him as a, as a top five prospect is has it all come together? No. Does he still make a lot of mistakes? Yes. He is so much younger and he still has this natural playmaking ability that when we eventually develop him and he learns more and he's on the field more, he could be a really good football player. Joe Milton's been playing football for too goddamn long and he still has no internal clock when it comes to reading pressure. He still has no touch and timing. I know at least Anthony Richardson knows how to take a little bit off of his footballs and knows how to place the ball when he was on. And, and he, he was, was young. young. Joe yeah, Milton right. throws the ball 100 miles an hour every single time sure. he throws it, which leads to missed throws, poor accuracy, nothing. No boxes are checked with Joe Milton. And people no. get pissed when you do this with a, with a kid who's a good athlete that doesn't work out. Joe Milton's a tight end. I don't care. <laughs> He's a tight end. Who was the who was the kid who, who went Thomas. on to Logan Thomas? Logan Thomas was a really good tight end in the NFL. And if he, he didn't make that switch for a couple of years, he was really good. If he didn't make that switch, we would have never gotten to see him. And I said this, and I brought this up to, to Sean once on one of the shows when we talked about Joe Milton. <laughs> Something that people don't realize is just because you have the biggest arm does not mean you should be a quarterback on any college team. We talked about how a lot of times on Fridays we'd have walkthroughs and we'd come out to practice and guys would just throw the football around. And sometimes what would happen is the offensive linemen, the tight ends, the defensive tackles, they would just try to see how far that they could throw the ball. Right. And you know who would always throw the ball further than any of the quarterbacks? It was the Wide offensive receiver. linemen and the tight ends. Oh, the the tight biggest, ends. strongest kids that were doing it. Mm-hmm. So just because he's got a big arm does not mean that he is an NFL quarterback. <laughs> if you don't have the instincts, try playing another position. And I think that he'll be very, very successful. I, I, I bet Joe Wall could throw a football pretty far. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. I bet but, Fuaga. Uh, I bet Amarius Mims. Well, I bet JC Latham. That, Brock that's, Bowers probably could. <laughs> you know, the one thing about Joe Milton that drives me crazy so much is everyone always talks about how far he could throw, right? Like the distance that he can get on football. He is one of the worst deep ball throwers I've ever seen in my life. Like legitimately, Joe, Joe do we forget why he was benched at Tennessee to begin with for Hendon Hooker? It's because he couldn't hit a deep ball, dude. Like it was awful what game was that again who were they playing that game but he literally airmailed like three or four deep balls where it was just they're wide open dude and it's just awful man awful yeah everybody who's tuning in on youtube please dr man that's a that's an irish breakdown subscriber what's up man (laughs) um all right next question from yak what team do you think Audric fits? Oh, we have two Audric estimate questions. So I'm going to read both nice. of these together. Yeah. Uh, so the mm-hmm. first one from Yak is what team do you think Audric estimate fits 
in with the most right off the bat, maybe 49ers. Nah, I don't know if that profile really No, works. I, I don't be, like the 49ers. Wait, like let me finish the question. And be a backup yeah. power back to CMC or maybe the Ravens. They need a running back. I don't know. Let me know. And then the other question from Jeff Bowdrin. Do you like the idea of the Vikings and Estime as a good match, potentially? Madison and underwhelmed as RB1 and Ty Chandler uh, may not have the size for the position thoughts. I actually like the Vikings slot because they're a little bit yeah. more of like a power downhill between the between the guards type of a rushing team. And uh, Madison and Chandler were supposed to be, I think, what Audric could be. Right. I, I yeah, because the 49ers thing I was just kind of hitting on is that I I don't want Audric Estime can run some outside zone at times, but that's not what's best for Audric Estime. Audric Estime is an inside oriented runner. So we're talking about gap scheme stuff. We're talking about power oriented. We are also, you know, some inside zone will be fine, right? Some duo, like you could do that type of stuff with Audric and he'd be very good at that. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to consistently get the edge. Like that's just not his game overall. Like he is mm. more of an inside oriented player. So the Vikings are an interesting one, I'd say. You know, honestly, it would be a really good spot, Joe. I mean, I, I don't think it's like necessarily going to happen, but wouldn't it be a great if he start to be that next guy in waiting and then take over the mantle in probably a year or two from Derrick Henry? Like, is there an easier one than him going to be Tennessee Titans backup running back for a year and then taking over for Derrick Henry? I mean, that would be one that I think would like make a lot of sense. Philadelphia Eagles is another one that I would kind of like, man. They are a they're kind of an even though they're an inconsistent yeah. running team, they do run a lot of inside zone, and I think that they need kind of a they need to get back their identity this offseason. They were a really good power running, they were a really good running team in general in 2022. 2023, the Eagles were not as good of a running team, and I think it really hurt them. So getting a guy like that that can kind of create something out of nothing and turn turn his legs a little bit, like he would I, there's a lot of teams that I think I could fit. I mean, now that I'm just thinking about it, like there's a lot of teams that he would fit really well. Yeah, I, I I think realistically with a guy like Audric, I don't I don't think that he is gonna be like a full time fifteen hundred yard back. I think his physical profile doesn't really match with what teams in the NFL in the modern NFL need need. I actually really like the the Ravens thought too, because like I look at Gus Edwards and Gus Edwards is kind of, you know, doesn't really have that extra gear that Audric has and he's yeah. you know, he he continually feels like he was rotated out for other guys that were given opportunities over him. So I think like Just, a young Justice Hills was Justice Hill was playing a lot for them. Man, I just wish right. I wish JK Dobbins could just stay healthy for once with the Ravens, man. They're done like with him. Really they're good. they're they're moving on. I think that, that that that's moving on. Appreciate anyone who's throwing questions in. We're going to try and get to the ones in the YouTube chat after we get to the Twitter ones. Again in the future, if you would like a question answered on the show, we pull for questions going forward on Friday. So make sure to drop that question uh on the uh, on Twitter, and we'll we'll get to them. Uh, DD asks, or or if you leave a if you leave a five star review on any of our favorite pocket favorite yes. podcast platforms, we will definitely read that one. There's no doubt about yes. that. That's, so yes. So we're gonna do we're gonna do that one uh, that one that we have next. And going forward, those questions will be answered first. So to reiterate that, if you want a question answered, leave a five star review. Thank you, Sam Teets, for doing that. Who gave us a million questions this week? Uh, if you leave us a five star review with a question in it, we will always prioritize and answer those first. Uh, and then also, I mean, same thing goes if anyone leaves a super chat, we will obviously answer those uh, immediately. DD asks, and then we're going to get to Sam's thoughts on is it Kieran or I heard uh, Keegan yesterday said Kyron. It, it is, um, I interviewed him, so I should know this. Um, it was. Kyron, I think. Kyron, Kyron uh, Amangadjabi. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> Where can he get picked? Uh, what are your main concerns? I think that like just from a general physical profile, I mean, he he hits everything that you're looking for to be yep. a day two pick, probably more of like a late day two pick. Love the length. I think his mobility and his flexibility was like the biggest thing. Very raw though. Like technically sure. in terms of his angles, in terms of knowing how to um, keep just the nuance of understanding how to keep guys in front of him and, and all that stuff. He also does not have any tape against anybody that is remotely an NFL edge rusher. He just, he just yeah. doesn't. The Ivy League refuses to play teams at the FBS level. I don't know if that's some sort of a rule, whatever it is. We don't get opportunities to see those Ivy League guys unless they transfer up. And I would have thought maybe he could have been a transfer up candidate had he not declared, but he does declare. Uh, and yep. we're going to get to see. I, I don't actually, he's not even be probably healthy. He, he's, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be mentally cleared for anything. I, I actually uh, just remembered in my mind, Joe. So I remember you ever have those awkward moments where you call someone something to before you started recording and then they correct your how they say their name. So his name, I thought it was uh, Kieran. It's Karan. Karan Abmangabji is how you okay, say his Karan. name. So I, I remembered it now, but yes. So Yale offensive tackle, 6'5", 320 pounds. Uh, actually, I think he was listed like 314 in the spring, but regardless. He has crazy length, Joe, also. I'm pretty sure he had like near 36-inch arms, if not 36-inch arms. Like he is stupid Jeez. length for his size, man. Like he, So Yale offensive tackle, like you said, the, play, the competition level concern is going to arise there but for an offensive tackle the things that you're going to want to see are one length two foot quickness three flexibility like those things are the, my three three biggest things that i talk about and then obviously you get into core strength and all that type of stuff as well that kid has a great baseline man great baseline i think if he was fully healthy in the draft process he probably goes late day two i i think he i think he has that type of upside to him i would say Top 150 football player, though, when all is said and done, like he, I think fourth, I don't think he gets out of the fourth round. Like, I think he still goes somewhere in the fourth round at worst, but I think it could be third, fourth round, somewhere in that ballpark. Because again, when we're talking about physical profiles, that kid has it all. And at worst, he's got some power profile to him, too, where he could definitely play guard. I don't want to move him to guard because he has that length that I'm talking about and he has that flexibility, but I do think that he can definitely play guard. And uh, yeah, there's the measurements right there. So thank uh, you. I have a I have a weird take on this. I think with yes. the lack of linemen who have declared this year, I actually part yeah. of me wonders if it maybe helps him that he is unhealthy and unable to participate in the senior bowl drills and the combine because there won't be any over dissection of a guy. And on top of this, as I said there, we haven't seen him play against any premier pass rushers. So we're kind of yeah. going off of a hope. I kind of wonder if NFL teams don't just say, you know what? We really like him. We don't want to miss out on him. Let's maybe just take this shot and we'll draft him. And you know, maybe this doesn't doesn't work out because there's no overexposure to him and he doesn't go out to the senior bowl and get cooked. Yes. I, I, I think that's an interesting angle that that almost never gets brought up with guys who are hurt. Well, the medicals will obviously matter. You know, what, what does it look like? But I think you make a solid point, Joe, in the sense of he had high grades before the season. I, I'm blessed. I'm pretty sure he had a third round blesto grade. Yeah, like he was he well liked by the NFL teams, right? So not being seen is not always the worst thing in the world. It's not. They're just going to rest on 
2022 film. We really liked that before 2022. You're a good kid, and he's a great kid, by the way. He's a really good young man that he does a lot of stuff with their services of the community and all that type of stuff. Like That's He's going to check boxes from a personal perspective. So again, third to fourth round, I think easy, maybe gets into somewhere in the day three conversation if the medicals don't completely check out or if there's a little bit of a question mark there. All right. The mailbag rating question that we have on today's yes. show, Sam, thank you again for uh, complying and listening as uh, not all of our listeners do, but we would love for more listeners to drop our questions in the five-star ratings. Uh, his question is, what is the position uh, you guys have had the most trouble scouting across your time in the draft space? And how did you improve it evaluating players at that position? Who are your draft misses at the position? So I haven't really been doing like real yeah. player evaluation long enough to really pinpoint like who were my draft misses. But the answer to this question for me is, and also to talk about like how I've improved, the answer to this question is something that I complain to Ryan constantly non-stop can you guess we what have, it is we have the same answer we have the same answer. quarterback yep. i can't stand watching quarterbacks and it's for a couple of reasons one it's very complex and it's not something that i don't understand it requires an extra level of attention to detail detail i could watch an offensive lineman from a singular the lot the you know the straight up line of scrimmage angle and just swipe through the videos and be like, okay, he does this, this, and this right out his profile. And I can easily evaluate and grade them. They're easily the quickest guys that I can get through two games, jot everything down and have a grade out on a player because it's just, everything's in front of you. They don't move around on the screen. You know where they are. Quarterbacks, you have to rewatch and really just like pinpoint, okay, did he make the right read? Even when the ball is delivered accurately, it's like, okay, what else was there? What did he right. miss on? Where was the ball placed? Did the receiver mess up? There's so many different pieces that come into it that slow down the process that bothers me because I try to get through as many guys as possible. But the other part is too, it's so easy to miss things. It's so easy to over-evaluate things because you're watching so many different angles and so many different things. So the, yeah, the big thing for me is quarterback. And, and I, I'll be completely honest. I, I'm probably going to keep putting off watching quarterbacks. I've watched two <laughs> quarterbacks and I'm probably going to deliberately avoid. I might even, I might honestly call it like after JJ McCarthy and just like, that's like probably seven guys. And I might just be like, I don't want to watch anybody else because I don't really care about these day three quarterbacks because they're not going to pan out. And I don't want to uh, you know waste my time on this. You're, man, the disrespect to the Theo days of the world, man. Like, honestly, it's just so disrespectful. Huh? Player. Oh yeah, man. He was at uh, he was at CGS. The old day was at CGS, baby. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I will say this: quarterback is the one. I'll give you one on both sides of the ball. Okay, how about that? I'll give you one on both sides of the ball. Quarterback is always a tough one for me because situation matters so much outside of like a couple players that are truly transcendent. Right. Like there is a couple quarterbacks that are going to come out where you say you could drop them in Cleveland, you could drop them in LA, you could drop them anywhere, Chicago, whatever, and it'll be really good. Th that's it. Like they'll be really good. Most of the time, situation matters so much play calling, development, yeah. stability of a, pro of a program or an organization. It just so much goes into quarterback evaluation. And the tough part about being an independent scout 
is luckily I do get a little bit of insight into some of these players and be able to talk to them and do all that type of stuff. But a lot of the time, Joe, what are we handicapped on? The fact that we can't talk to them a ton, right? We don't get that inside information that like a true NFL scout is going to get. And that makes it so difficult because what quarterback is more than just a guy throwing a football on a football field, man. He is a leader in the huddle, outside of the huddle, in the hotel rooms, everywhere. Like he is that guy that you need to be able to follow. And that's what's made some of the biggest misses, I think, is that like you look at a guy, you love the film, but then he's just not a leader. He's not a guy that you can follow, and that stuff hurts, right? So a couple guys I've missed on, I guess. I mean, I like Jake Locker coming out. <laughs> One of my oldest ones. Dude, I really like Jake Locker a lot. Uh, I did. That was a miss. Trey Lance, I guess, is a miss, right? I mean, there's still mm. time, I guess, if something happens. But, yeah, he's a miss. Defensive-wise, one that I missed on early that I am very good at now and I don't miss on, I barely ever miss on, is Edge. I'm very good at Edge now. Very, very good. Because early on, Joe, I was looking at Edge and being like, wow, look at that nuance in the hands. Look at that rush plan. Look at that guy that is just so technically sound. And you know what that brings you to? You know what it brings you to? Derek Barnett. And I'm like, Derek Barnett's really good, man. I love that kid. First round pick. And he went number 14 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. But then I watched him and I'm like, he doesn't really, doesn't have much bend in his hips. Doesn't have great explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. And that stuff matters so much. That's why as I've gotten more in the thick of it, I have bet on traits a whole lot more. You want the scouting 101 for the edge position? Always bet on traits. Always. Of course, film matters, production matters, it all matters, but traits matter so much at the edge position. That's why Daniil Hunter went from a guy that had one and a half sacks his last year at LSU to a perennial 10-plus sack-a-year guy in the NFL because yeah. traits matter so much at the edge position. All right, we're coming up on time, so I want yes. to get to these other questions. Let's keep the answers really Rapid concise. Fire. Rapid yeah. fire. All right, it. Sam Teets' question uh, who do you think the surprise first round pick will be this year? Basically, who's a prospect you think could get taken in the first round, even though no one expects they will go high? Uh, I've, right, I've mocked one. I've I have mocked one several times already. Quinion Mitchell, cornerback Toledo is my guy. See, I year. think that we're kind of past that though for him being a surprise. I I also put <laughs> yeah, him because in I planted the seed. I planted the seed of people's oh, minds. So okay. it's not anymore. <laughs> Um, I also think that like I wouldn't be shocked if we don't get like a really random linebacker and the first one that, that kind of comes to mind for me is like Edrin Cooper. Like I could totally see just like, <laughs> I see that like oh um okay, all right. I guess that kind of makes sense. Edrin Cooper goes in the first round. Uh that's the I can totally see that happening. Uh second question from Satiets are any of you guys going to one of the all-star games in the next month? What senior bowl shrine bowl acceptances are you most excited about? Let's not answer the second one because that's going to be a long question answer yes uh the first one no we're not but we will be at the nfl combine we'll be at the nfl scouting combine unless joe dips out late sam yes we'll be there well i mean i already told you everything's been figured out for my travel plan so we're you okay. know there's no so there you are late. you're good then you're good. all right our good friend nick uh, is it mazillo 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 uh, nick our good friend Nick, who we work with at RPM, asks, the wide receiver and offensive tackle class appear to be the strengths of this draft. What other position groups uh, would you consider 
an underrated strength this year. I don't think that the defensive tackle class is getting enough love. Not because, because it doesn't have any good players at the top. There's going to be a lot of really nice day it, two, it day three players, players that are rotational. Okay, you need to reward things a little bit better. Of course, it has good players. It doesn't have a Jalen Carter, so everyone's going to think that the class. Yeah. It's everyone's going to think that the class isn't good. But when we sure. look at day two, there are a ton, a ton of guys that I think are going to be really important players that maybe are just rotational that are going to yep. be really good coming out on day two. Cornerback is another one that I would throw out there. I think it's a really good I, – I, I like the corner class a lot. I really do. Mm. You know, we talked about Kool-Aid McKinstry and Nate Wiggins and Tyrion Arnold and Kalen King, and then you get to the guys that I've already mentioned, you know, like the Quinion Mitchells of the world out of Toledo. Like, I, I think it's a really good cornerback class. That's, that's one that I really like this year. Uh, all right. I, mean, I think there's just like two more that are worth – Brian, I'm not answering this, Brian. This is so goddamn specific. <laughs> What? Why? Why have you watched Matt Lee and since I haven't Hayward? watched Matt Lee? So Matt Lee is the um, the kid that transferred to I think he was from UCF and he went to Miami. I haven't watched him. I did watch Sincere Haydensworth last year. He's just really sawed off. He's off. He's a center for um, Tulane, so he's just a little bit sawed off. I didn't really see it with him personally. Uh, Ao Toto asks, "How do you guys feel about Jatavian Sanders?" We did a whole evaluation on him, so anyone I think wants to go check that out. Uh, but day two pick. Tight end two. I think that there's a pretty big cutoff after you move on from him, and he's had a nice development. Yeah, nah, he um he's kind of that yak style tight end that is becoming more the rage in the NFL, especially with like a lot of the outside zone oriented teams that really like to work slides and delays off of play action. And I think that he is a very good player after the catch, really good football player after the catch. Uh, I think we should start um naming or not naming our show our like our motto and our 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 explanation for the show should be the draft show for italians we've got so many questions from italian people irish breakdown legend right here vince d'addario man uh vince vince d'addario asks us how far will cam hart fall due to his medicals i'll let you answer that one because i actually don't know a ton about his medicals so i mean he's got he has uh, he's had shoulder injuries on both sides right he's had surgery so i feel like that's not horrible for a corner yeah, I mean, but defensive player with bad shoulders in general yeah. is just kind of like, eh. Vince, I, I mean, it's it's to be determined a little bit. I would say he's probably going to go late day two, early day three, third to fourth rounds. I think he's going to test really well. I know his measurements going to be out of this world. It's just shoulder injuries for a defensive player is a lot that needs to get worked out of, obviously. So we'll see. Shall see. Uh, also from A.O. Toto. Also want to know if you've looked at Matt Goncalves. Uh, and how do you feel about him? I, I watched him recently, not like a super fluid athlete, but like steady. He was, I want to say, let me pull up his grade really quick. Offensive gave, tackle from Pittsburgh. We need to say team names, right? Offensive I mean, tackle from Pittsburgh. I gave him a yes. top 150 was what was how okay. I graded him. I graded him out as a top 100 player. I think that he could go late day two. I agree that he's not the most fluid, flexible guy of all time, but he's a good overall athlete and he's very, he's just very solid technically from a snap to snap perspective, maybe not a left tackle on the next level, but I think he can be eventually a starting right tackle in the NFL. All right. This is the last question that we're going to get to from rack. Uh, Drake may thoughts. Um, you can have this one, Joe. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm I, I, okay. But like, make sure to keep it concise. Cause we're going to, yep. we got to get out of here. Uh, I like Drake may than the more than the general public likes him. I understand the, the pause on him that you have specifically that there is, he didn't take the next step that we wanted, but the tools are amazing. And I see a natural 
playmaker. I see I like I see that natural feel for the game that is something that is overlooked often at the at the quarterback yep. position. So I'm betting on it and right now he's QB2 for me. Maybe he ends up being QB3 after I watch uh, Jane Daniels. I I like the physical profile that he brings to the table, 6'4", 220, strong arm, good athlete overall. I wanted to see a jump from his progressions from 2022 to 2023. I'm not worried about the production because it was a different system, different skill skill position players. I just thought there was a little bit too much bozo in 2023 than I wanted to see. I thought there was just some really bad decisions at times. But he's got the upside for it, man. So Justin Herbert-ish type of player. I think that he does have a lot of parallels to Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. All right. At Joe DeLeon, at Rising Draft, folks, thank you for tuning in. This was a very fun first mailbag. If we didn't get to your questions, I think we got the most of them. If we, I don't think we really missed any. But next week, we will be going again live at the same time Friday morning. Do not miss out. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.